Well, you may be seated. It's so good to see you. And uh, Pastor Chuck is worshiping with Sugar Hill Espanol at the moment, but I am so grateful for our pastor and his big heart and for all the kind words. And Laura and I love this place. I had somebody after the first hour say, I thought they were about to announce you're leaving. I was like, no, if uh, that's not happening. We love you guys. We, this is home. And so we're so grateful. Uh, before we get started today, we're, we're in week three of a teaching called uh, Life-Giving Relationships. And a couple of things I do want to mention. One is if you're new around here, uh, we have a, a next membership breakfast coming up next week. It's at 930. And so if you've been wondering, how do I get plugged in around here? I'd love to invite you to be part of that. Just go in the app. There's a little button called the latest and you can check that out. And also, ladies, we have our next flourish coming up in March and we are super excited about it. So registration is open. I'd love for you to sign up for that and be part of it as well. But as we dive in today, I was thinking about the story. Uh, when I was in high school, we lived uh, on a two-acre lot, and so we were terrible yard people. Some of y'all have green thumbs. We don't have that in the McGraw family, so we'd always wait till the yard's majorly overgrown. In those two acres, we had 27 oak trees. So there's always leaves all the time. I mean, everywhere you looked, leaves, 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 leaves. And so when I was in high school, my dad and I were both working on the lawn together. So he was on the riding lawnmower. I had the weed eater. And uh, while he was on the riding lawnmower, I put my headphones in. I was listening to something. And uh, a little while later, my dad comes running around the corner of the house. And he's motioning for me to throw down the weed eater, throw it up, put it down on the ground. Get, come help me, come help me, come help me, come help me. And what ended up happening is while he was mowing, because the grass was tall and the leaves are thick, somewhere along the way, some of the leaves got caught up in the belt on the riding mower. And he started a fire. And it started out small, but the more he tried to put it out, it began to spread. And where he was at in our lawn, he was sort of in this middle little section. On one side of him was our propane tank full of gas. On the other side of him was our neighbor's privacy fence. He literally caught their fence on fire. Now, is that not a great way to make friends with your neighbor? I don't know why the foxes moved away after that. And if, if, if it just happened that one time, it wouldn't be that big of a deal. But there's another time that uh, he had this big pile of leaves in the front yard. He thought, hey, it's going to be a great idea. Let's just have a fire pit. So he lit it on fire. The flames got so high that it caught the oak tree on fire. We had to call the volunteer fire department. Come help, come help, come help, come help. And then later, a few years later, our house was struck by lightning and caught on fire. And so in the McGraw household, fire is a problem. Anybody else have an issue with fire? Well, when I was thinking about that this week, I thought about the power of the tongue. That's what we're talking about today. That we think, man, our tongues don't have much power. We think our words don't carry much weight. But the truth is, our words carry a lot of weight. In fact, if you have a Bible in Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21, there's one verse that I want to hang all of this morning off of because our, our goal really is to be dead, simple, practical today when it comes about life-giving relationships. It is impossible to have a life-giving relationship without carefully watching what we say. I call today Watch Your Mouth because a year ago, our student ministry did a Wednesday night series called Watch Yo Mouth, and I didn't know that I could get away with the yo this morning, so I, I made it a little more grown up for us, but the principles today, I hope, will be super powerful. Here's what the Bible says in Proverbs 18, verse 21, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Isn't that true that there's something powerful about our tongues? 
I mean, even just a few minutes ago with Pastor Chuck saying incredibly kind words to me, there's something powerful about that. Have you ever had that happen before where somebody looked you in the eye and they called out something in you that maybe you didn't even see in yourself? And so this morning, I want to give you sort of three big ideas and then hang some practical insight around it. And the first one is number one is we need to think about the power of the tongue. You and I, we need to think about the power of the tongue. Oftentimes we don't think about it. We just say stuff and, and then if somebody calls us on it, we're like, well, I didn't really mean it. I mean, I, I don't know where that came from. I don't know why I said it. And the truth is the Bible has a lot to say about that. The Bible says that from the overflow of our hearts, our tongue speaks. And so we need to think about the power of our tongues because once you say it, you can't take it back. Once you say it, you can't take it back. I've got a friend that uh, years and years ago, he got a number of tattoos and uh, uh, fast forward to today, it was during a season that he wasn't really proud of. And so the, the thing that it represented was something that, that, that he's not proud of. And so he's gone through this process of having his tattoos removed. I don't know if you know how this works, but there, there's like this laser thing. And they like laser over the tattoo. And it's not just a one-stop shop, right? It's not just a one-time thing. He has to go back and have different treatments over and over and over again. So they're expensive and they're painful. And what happens over time is every time he goes, it's like the, the tattoo begins to fade a little bit. And then the next time he goes, it fades a little bit more. And then the next time he goes, it fades a little bit more. And so when you look at him, maybe you wouldn't notice the tattoo at first, but if you look hard enough, you can still see where it was. And that's honestly the power of our words. That words that were spoken to us years and years and years ago, maybe the sting isn't quite there as much as it used to be, but those words still carry weight. I'm not proud to admit it, but uh, my friend in the sixth grade that called me chicken legs, I'm still thinking about that, and I'm 44 years old. Like, thanks for that. Or when I was in second grade, I was labeled as having a learning disability. And so for all my elementary school years, I was pulled out of normal reading class and taken to the little trailer in the back behind the school. And I thought, awesome, I've got the IQ of a booger. This is great. This is awesome. <laughs> but even as a second grader, when somebody taller than you, smarter than you, looks at you and calls you something, it has power. Let me give you some examples of this. In Genesis 1, God spoke and what happened? Creation existed. Genesis 3, God spoke and he set destiny in front of man and his wife. In John, in John chapter 1, God says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. There is power in our words. Let me give you three examples of this. One, our words can destroy. Our words literally can destroy. You could be having the best day on the planet and somebody could look you in the eye and say something to you and it literally destroy. Here's what Proverbs 10 verse 19 says. It says, when there are many words, wrongdoing is unavoidable. In other words, the more we speak, the more likely we're going to get in trouble. Does that make sense? That's why Pastor Chuck and I are so nervous anytime we preach. It's like, if you talk publicly long enough, you're going to say something really dumb. And you're all like, yes, we've got examples of that, right? It can destroy. A second thing that when it comes to the power of the tongue is it can create distance. And what I mean by that is our words can create distance between us and God. Our words can create distance between us and the people closest to us and the people that we love the most. Proverbs 21 verse 23 says, One who guards his mouth and guards his tongue guards his soul from trouble. Proverbs 26, verse 22 says, The words of a gossiper are like dainty morsels, and they go down into the innermost parts of the body. See, sometimes we don't think about the power of the words. They're like, yeah, we're just chatting at work, or hey, it's no big deal. We're just talking about this or that or talking about that person. And the Bible says, no, that gossip goes down into you, and it takes 
fruit. It says in Proverbs 15, verse 1, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Those things we say, those things that come off the cuff, those things that we think are not a big deal, really can be a big deal. Not only can it destroy, not only can words create distance, but a third thing that they can do is they can literally shape destiny. They can shape destiny. Some of you are the product of words that were spoken to you. Sometimes you're the product from negative words that were spoken to you, and you allowed those to take roots where you're like, well, maybe I'm always going to be a slow learner. Maybe I'm always going to have chicken legs. Maybe I'm, you get what I'm saying. Whatever that thing was planted in your mind where, where I know somebody that, that they had some really harsh words spoken to them by a parent when they were a teenager and where they were told you're never going to measure up, you're never going to be good enough. And because of that, they've lived with that the rest of their lives. But I've also seen the power of parents that speak words of life into their kids. Where they say, I'm so proud of you. And they say, you can do anything you set your mind to. I've seen the power of parents saying to their young ones to say, God's got a great big plan for your life. You do not want to miss it. There's something powerful for our words. They could be used for negative or for good. And so I want to encourage you, number one, to think about the power of your words. Proverbs 29 verse 20 says, do you see a person who is hasty with his words? There's more hope for a fool than for him. Proverbs 17, verse 27 says, One who withholds his words has knowledge, and one who has a cool spirit is a person of understanding. Even a fool, when he keeps silence, is considered wise. When he closes his lips, he is considered prudent. That's the power of our words. Are you all tracking with me? Is this making sense? Start by thinking about the power of our words. But the second thing I want to think about this morning is the problem of our words. How many of you have gotten in trouble because of your words? Anybody not afraid to admit it? Uh, sometimes we hold our words, but our, but our faces still give it away. You know what I'm saying? There's the problem with the words. There, there's a breakdown in communication. I was joking about this. Um, this hasn't happened recently, but my wife and I have had these funny moments in the past where what I've discovered, and I've heard other people talk about this as well, is that sometimes wives have more questions than husbands have answers for. You ever notice that? This is one of those funny things when it comes to communication. It, it, like, let me, let me use it. This didn't happen, like this example, but this has certainly happened in the past. But like this morning, a little after six o'clock, our buddy Tim Darden from our small group texted us and said, hey, Stephanie gave birth to Isla. Isla's finally here, which is awesome. Our small group's over here are like, this is great. Yes. And uh, so for the last two weeks, we're like, it could happen any moment. But here's the kind of thing that, that has happened in my wife and I's uh, communication in the past where I, I could take that text and, and say, hey, Laura, I don't know if you've read the text yet, but Tim just texted everybody and said that Isla is here. She was born just after 6.05. And then Laura asked the question, well, how long is she? Well, I don't know, but I just got this text from Tim that says that Isla is here, born just after 6 o'clock. Well, how much does she weigh? Well, I, you know, I don't know, but Tim just texted us and said, little Isla's here born just after six o'clock. Well, does she have a full head of hair? Well, I don't know about that, but here's, right? <laughs> have y'all had those kind of conversations before? You had this, yeah. And so it's so funny. And so there, there is a breakdown at times when it comes to communication. There's a breakdown when it comes to the words that we say. 
Here's what, if you want to write this down, James chapter 3, verses 6 through 8 says. James chapter 3, this is written by the half-brother of Jesus. We love the little letter of James because it's so, so practical. James says in chapter 3, verse 6, he says, And the tongue is a fire. That's powerful imagery, isn't it? The tongue is a fire, the very world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our body parts as that which defiles the whole body. Think about that imagery. The tongue's like the smallest, like a really small part of your body. But he's saying, man, it it defiles the whole body. It sets on fire the course of our life, and it's set on fire by hell. That's a strong word. Right? So when we're talking about, man, I don't know where that came from. I I don't know what I was thinking. I don't don't know how I said that. James would say, look, it's set on fire by the course of hell. He says in verse 7, for every species of beasts and birds, of reptiles and creatures of the sea, every creature is tamed, and it's been tamed by the human race, but no one among mankind can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil. It's full of deadly poison. Isn't that powerful? What James is talking about, the potential problem of our tongues. There's a, lot of, there's a lot of danger that can happen. There's a lot of things that we can just say. We think it's not a big deal. In fact, as I was researching for this, I came across what the, the Gottman uh, Research Institute calls the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Four horsemen. It's this idea of the end times of the apocalypse, like the end is coming. Well, in communication, Gottman Institute talks about four things that when you see these played out in a relationship, they're a sign that the end is coming. The first one that Gottman talks about is criticism. Now, criticism isn't just a critique of a moment. Uh, What he's talking about in criticism is when uh, there's this full-on generic attack of your spouse or a loved one. It's attack at the core of their character. It's attack that can literally dismantle their whole being. It plants seeds of doubt in their life. And he says, man, this is so common in relationships, but it can be deadly. Right? So he talks about criticism. The second one that he mentions as being super dangerous to our relationships is not just criticism, but contempt. Contempt is... Well, contempt is when you begin to roll your eyes at somebody. Contempt is when you begin to use their words to mock them. Contempt is whenever you begin to use sarcasm or ridicule or call names or even mimic body language. He, he calls this the second of the four horsemen. He's, Gottman would say this, that if he watched a couple having lunch together at a restaurant and he sees contempt, he's like, if they don't get that under control, that relationship isn't going to last. That's not my words. That's his research, criticism, contempt. The third one is defensiveness. Defensiveness is basically self-protection. Defensiveness is, man, I don't want to deal with this. I, I don't want to own my part of this. And so defensiveness can actually be when you take whatever the critique is and put it back on the person that's critiquing you. Defensiveness is where you begin to take whatever the thing is and you push it back to the other person and act like it's their thing that you have no part of it. And then the last one that he mentions as the four horsemen is stonewalling. Stonewalling is usually when the person has, is overwhelmed by the emotion of it all. They're overwhelmed by the moment. It's so uncomfortable that they don't know what to do. And so they begin to shut down and they never really deal with the issue. That's, the, that's a problem. Right? These four things don't mean that a relationship has to end, but what he would say is if they're not dealt with, it's in danger of ending. That's the problem of the tongue. 
Listen to how the Bible speaks about this. In, in Proverbs, 21, uh, uh, Proverbs 27, verse 15, it talks about the constant dripping on a day of steady rain is contentious woman or alike. The Bible talks over and over again what happens when a person in a relationship just allows these things to shape their relationship. So there's the power of the words. It could be life or death. There's the problem of the tongue, that if we don't tame our tongues, if we don't watch our mouths, that, that, that these four things could break out. So here's how I want to end today. That's sort of, a, sort of a heavy moment, right? Nobody's like, man, it's 11 o'clock service, and man, Bobby talked about the four horsemen. This is great. That was so encouraging. But there's something when we begin to think about, number three, the possibility of the tongue. What's the possibility of the tongue? In James 3, I didn't put these in the slides, but I want to read it to you. In James 3, starting in verse 17, after he describes, you know, our tongues being set on fire by hell, listen to how James talks about it. He says in James 3, verse 17, but the wisdom from above is, first of all, pure. It is also peace-loving. It's also gentle. It's willing to yield to others. It's full of mercy and Fruit of good deeds, it shows no favoritism and is always sincere. And those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. What James is describing is we can tame our tongues. What James is saying is, man, we don't have to go down the path that hell would have us go on. James is saying, but when we take the wisdom from above and apply it to our speech, good things can happen. Let me give you some quick examples of this, just thinking about the antidote to the four horsemen. So the first one was criticism, where you're attacking the core of the person. What if instead of starting with criticism, we did what Gottman called the, the, the gentle startup? And what the gentle startup is, the big idea behind it is instead of going into conflict, there's always going to be conflict, so conflict's not necessarily bad, but how we enter it can be negative. Instead of going in and being very accusatory and saying, I can't believe you, you're always this way, I can't believe this. What if you gently walked into it where he would recommend starting with I statements and feeling statements, like here's how I feel, here's, here's, here, here's how I receive that. So instead of being accusatory, pointing the finger back at yourself and stating it in a positive way, here's what I need, here's, here's what I need. I need a productive outcome from this conversation. I need for us to be able to talk about this. Or how about the second one, contempt? One of the reasons why contempt can take root in a relationship is because a lack of appreciation. And so what Gottman says, what if you, you said, you know what, I'm going to build a, a, a appreciation into this relationship, that I'm going to say thank you not just for the big things, for, but for the small things. I'm going to build gratitude into our relationship because if, you, if you're living from a place of gratitude, it's hard to be, have a contemptuous relationship with somebody. If you're always thankful for it, man, I'm so thankful for how you make sure we always have groceries. I'm thankful for how you're making sure our bills are paid. And I'm so thankful just for the way that you encourage me on days that I'm down. Right? There's something powerful about appreciation. How about the third one, defensiveness? What about defensiveness? What if the antidote for that is to take responsibility? Instead of becoming defensive and trying to push it back on the other person and act like it's their problem and not yours, what if you and I dropped our guard and owned what our part of it is? What if we dropped our guard and said, you know what, you're right, 
I, I, I probably could have handled that differently. I probably could have approached that differently. I'm so sorry. I'm not saying that you have to own everything, but own your part of it instead of being defensive because there's two people anytime there's conflict. So own our part of it. And then the last one, stonewalling. He doesn't call this this, he doesn't call it this way in his research, but my adaption of what he talked about is to take a break. Usually what happens in stonewalling is the other person is so overwhelmed by the emotion of the moment that they begin to shut down and they don't know what to do with it. And so it's a-okay to just say, hey, could we take a time out for a minute? Could we step away for 20 minutes? I think he calls it something like self-soothing where you step away from the conflict and you listen to music or you pray, meditate, whatever that thing is to disconnect from the emotion, to come down and then say, but I'm going to come back and talk about it. Stonewalling would be never, never dealing with the situation, but taking a break is, hey, let me calm down and then let's talk about it when we're more in a better place to do so. And man, this is, this is the potential. This is the possibility of the tongue. In fact, let's throw up that next screen. Let me just give you some possibility principles, and I'm just going to breeze through these, but I'll spend some more time on the weekday podcast this week just talking about it because this is a journey that I think all of us are on. I think if we had all admit it, that none of us feel like we've arrived when it comes to our tongue. So here's some things to think about. One is to try to understand the other person. Try to understand the other person. One of the things my wife Laura says whenever we're doing premarital counseling with a couple is she says, look, there's going to be times that Bobby has said things that, that hurt my feelings, or there's been times that he's had a headache and just didn't feel well. And she said, she tells young couples, she says, I just start with the fact that he would never intentionally hurt me. He'd never intentionally hurt me. There's something going on with him that's making him not act the way that he normally was. I'm so appreciative of that because that's, that's true. My spouses rarely wake up saying, man, I just want to create drama for my spouse today. That, that's not... Not usually what happens. The second one is understand yourself. This is a big learning for me, understanding myself. I, I, I'm like a lot of guys. I, I don't really, if you were to ask me what emotion are you feeling, I'm not really good at describing that, right? I'm not really good at describing that. In fact, there's a thing that I use sometimes in coaching called the feelings wheel, where you, you identify the big emotion, then it branches out and tells you sort of the smaller emotions. And I, I, I'm trying to learn to understand myself because there are times that something triggers something inside of me, but oftentimes I've not thought about it before. And so I don't really know why I'm feeling the way I'm feeling. Does that make sense? I don't know why something just sort of sets me off. And so not only should you understand the other person, you got to begin to understand yourselves. One of the things that's typically true in relationships is women typically think more like spaghetti where all their thoughts touch other thoughts and other feelings. And you could start talking about where we're going to lunch today after church and you could end by talking about some big, you know, when we're retired and old and gray kind of thing, right? Whereas guys, we typically think more like waffles. We keep our ideas in these little boxes and uh, we keep them all disconnected. And so learning to understand the other person, understanding yourself. And here's a third one, learn to talk, learn to talk. Typically in every relationship, there's the talker and then there's the husband. Men are like, yes, I, I'm actually saying, no, guys, you got to learn to speak up. <laughs> That's right. We got to talk, right? So, uh, so guys, we've got to be willing to be emotionally open and talk about it, right? Does that make sense? So I didn't mean that as a dig to ladies. I'm just saying we, we got to learn to talk. Here, here, here's a very cool, very practical 
advice. Attack the problem, not each other. Attack the problem, not each other. What's the, actually the problem that you're both trying to solve? What's the problem you're trying to solve? Here's another one. Give space for the other person to save face. That's why I'm so appreciative when Laura gives me the benefit of the doubt of he's probably not feeling good today. For the last, I don't know, 20 years, 25 years, I've wrestled with migraines. And I'm proud to say, man, some of you pray for me. This, this year has been amazing. Uh, but, uh, but I'm so grateful that you, know, you give space for the other person. Give them grace, right? They're, maybe they've got a lot on them. Here's, here's another one. Don't go to bed angry. Don't go to bed angry. That might lead to a late night for you. I don't know, but don't get a bit angry. Model unconditional togetherness. Whenever I'm counseling couples, I, I typically say, hey, take the, the divorce word off the plate and just say, hey, we're in this together. We're going we're gonna to figure this out. We're going to figure this out. And the last one is bring Jesus into the conversation. Bring Jesus into the conversation. If Jesus was sitting here in this conversation, what would he have us do? That's super powerful. Is this helpful? I don't claim to have all this figured out. I have said more dumb things than I can count. I have said things I wish I could take back. I've said them with edge that I wish I could undo. I'm not saying I have it all together, but as Pastor Zach said earlier, if we're not dead, then God's not done with us. And if Jesus can change our hearts, he can also change our speech. Are you with me? And even if we've messed up, Even if we've blown it, it is okay to say, once I know better, I can do better. Are you tracking? Some days it's going to be easier. Some days it's going to be harder. But it is worth the fight. Let me close with this one verse. Ephesians 4, verse 26. Be angry and yet do not sin. That's powerful, right? Be angry but do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. And do not give the devil and opportunity. And so I want to pray for us this morning. If you feel like you've got this whole speech thing nailed and figured out, man, I, I hope you'll teach us how to do that one day. But if you're like the rest of us, if you're breathing and you're still trying to figure out how to tame the tongue, my prayer is that God would use this truth from his word, that life and death are in the tongue and that you and I would choose life. Can we pray together this morning? Would you bow your heads for a moment? In fact, as we begin to pray, if you don't mind, very quietly, reverently, just stand to your feet. And I'd love just to pray over us. If you're watching at home, we're so grateful you're watching as well. But I want to pray over us. And then Pastor Zach's going to lead us in a, in a simple course, and then I'm going to pray us out of here. But maybe today uh, there's been parts of this that uh, has been a little bit uncomfortable. Maybe you realize there's some things that were said to you that have taken root. Maybe you realize there's some things you've said that you wish you could take back. Or think about parents and grandparents, the power that you have. I love, today's been family worship. It's been so fun to have some of our kiddos and our students in the house today. And I just think about the power of a parent's words or the power of a guardian's words, the power of a grandparent's words. It's one of the reasons why I love all the hundreds of volunteers in our kids' ministry that week after week are speaking words of life into our kiddos as well. There's something powerful. In fact, our kids in the next generation might just be one positive statement away from discovering God's purpose for their life. Heavenly Father, as we pray today, we are so grateful that you talk about in your word so many practical things. 
as I'm praying that, I'm even thinking there's so many other verses in Proverbs. There's so much other truth in Scripture about our word. There's no way in one message we could look at it all. So, Father, take this feeble attempt to talk about an important subject. And, God, apply it to our heads and our hearts. God, we pray that the wisdom that is first pure and true would drop out of heaven and into our hearts and spill out into the words that we say. And Father, for every place and every relationship that's felt the distance of words and felt the destructive nature of words, God, I I pray that if it please you, that you'd give them loads of grace today, loads of mercy to be able to, to talk about that and to bring healing to that. And for those that need that kind of word today, Lord, I pray that they'd hear you, their heavenly Father, speak into their life, that they're your child and that they can know you and love you. Father, we give this truth to you, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Zach, would you lead us for a moment? so good. We're so grateful for days like today. Thank you for being here today. If you are new around here, or this is your second, third time, man, we're so glad. I got to meet with Fernanda this week and had a great time. It's just so fun to see what God's doing here at Sugar Hill Church and in our community. So grateful you're here. My prayer really does come from James 3 today, that the wisdom from above that's first of all pure, it is also peace, it's loving, it's gentle at all times, and willing to yield to others. It's full of mercy and the fruit of good deeds. It shows no favoritism and is always sincere. This is my prayer. And those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. My prayer is that this week, you'd be able to use your tongue to be life-giving, to be a peacemaker, and you would reap a harvest of righteousness. God bless you. We love you. Have a great rest of your week. We'll see you back here soon.